John Finnemore's Souvenir Programme. Hello, I'd like to learn to dance, please. Uh, yes, which courses are you interested in enrolling in? Well, as I say, dance. Y- yes, but there are different styles. Uh, classical ballroom, Latin, jive. What sort do we do at weddings? Well, a ballroom would be a good place to start. Fine, I'll do that. All right. Our classes are on Wednesday at 7.30 and they cost... I don't care what they cost. How long does it take? Well, uh, you'll be done by 9.30. No, how long does it take to learn to dance in total? Uh, well, by the end of the 12-week course, you'll be fairly proficient. 12 weeks? No, 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 no. I'll tell you what, I'll pay you ten times the usual cost if you can teach me in two weeks. Well, I suppose if we met every day... No, 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 no. Two weeks, two lessons. <laughs> Just quicker, better teaching. I don't understand. It's not complicated. I'll pay you more to get it done faster. But but that's not possible. Of course it's possible. The better you teach, the faster I'll learn, yes? Up to a point, I suppose. Fine. Well, money's no object to me, so I will pay you whatever it takes to get your very best level of teaching and therefore learn much quicker. No, but I'll be giving you my best level of teaching whatever you pay me. (laughs) It's ludicrous. (laughs) Nothing works that way. Teaching does. Teachers don't have levels. They teach as well as they can at all times. Is that true? Okay, no, not at all. (laughs) But what is true is however motivated I am to teach you, how quickly you learn still depends on how hard you're prepared to work. Me? But I'm the customer. (laughs) Even so. I've done the hard work earning the money. I'm using it to pay you to work hard, making me be able to dance. That's not how it works. You can't save yourself labour with money. Of course I can. I do it all the time. To get up a hill, I can either burn my own energy walking or I can buy energy at a petrol station and burn that to make a car carry me up the hill. Well, you're the car and I'm me. (laughs) Dance me up the hill. Sir, I cannot teach you to ballroom dance any faster than you're able to learn it. Fine. How about jive? Oh, yeah, sure. Just stand like this and go whoa, 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 with your arms. Whoa, 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 That'll be £20,000. <laughs> OK, guys, uh, welcome back. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, so let's get to work. Obviously, no need to tell you where we are or what work we do, so let's just get straight on with it. Oh, uh, actually, I've just been reassigned to this department and I've got no idea what we do here. Oh, really? Well, just for your benefit, I'll explain everything. <laughs> So, uh, basically, we are the team that come up with the names for pretend things uh, for use in TV shows and films. Oh, right. OK, so, like, fictional elements or intelligence agencies... Oh, well, yeah, that sort of thing, technically. But in practice, uh, what we actually spend 95% of our time doing is making up fake names for Google. Mm. <laughs> Google? Yeah, yeah, people on TV don't use Google. Why not? No idea. <laughs> It's not like people aren't shown driving real cars or or even looking up stuff on real computers, but once they're doing it, they have to do it on Finderspider or Searchwise.net. Yeah, they're both ours. Yeah, yeah, two of our successes, but uh, every film or TV show wants its own one, you see, so uh, let's get back to work, guys. (sighs) Okay, um... Voila.com. Very good. Moogle, Lugle, Poogle, Google. Uh, Luxtable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Google, Droogle, Snoogle, Google. Fudge. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Um, let me just look it up and check it's not some sort of weird sexual. Ooh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we can't use that. Google, no. Stoogle, Google. Terry, could you, could you please stop saying Google? 
Uh, it's really unhelpful. Yeah. I'm not saying Google, I'm saying... Right no, yeah, you are. Actually, every fourth suggestion you make is Google. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, it's all right. It's just that uh, it can't be Google, OK? Yeah. That's kind of our starting point. It's just such a good name. I know, I know it is a good name, yeah, but we, we can't use it. OK. Flugel. I mean, probably even move away from the rhymes. Mm -hmm. To be honest, yeah. Anyone else? Uh, where's it? Where's it? Uh, yeah, like, where is it? Oh, where's right. It? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, or, or where's, where's it? Where's it? Who's it? Woozle. Woogle. Google. Stop saying Google. <laughs> Sorry. Info get. Mm. Go, go get. Better. Go goon it gets. Goo. Terry, I will not tell you that. <laughs> Webifindo. Mm-hmm, yeah. Searchy, herch, mcbirch.com. Um, yeah, I think we're all getting tired now. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> OK, I know you're new, but it's got to at least sound like a real thing. <laughs> Table for one, sir? Uh, yes, please, thanks. Uh, this one? Uh, perfect. Great. I'll bring you a menu. Thanks. Oh, um, there is just, um, just one thing, though. When I come to your restaurant, I do not ask for much. I don't care if the food is late and chilly to the touch. Serve it tough or serve it raw And I won't really mind There's just one thing I ask of you If you would be so kind Please, won't you Put it on a plate Put it on a plate For Pete's sake Put it on a plate I don't want it on a breadboard Though I know that's all the rage I don't need my chips imprisoned In a little silver cage I don't want it in a mess tin I don't want it in a crate It's a pork and onion pasty Please just put it on a plate A plate is flat and circular A plate has got a brim It curves up at the edges Which helps keep the gravy in the Chinese first came up with them 3,000 years ago If they think up something better, I'll be sure to let you know Meanwhile, put it on a plate, put it on a plate For Pete's sake, put it on a plate I don't want a cup of carrots, I don't want a pint of peas I don't want a vintage bedpan full of macaroni cheese I don't want it on a roof tile, I don't want it on a slate It's a pecan pie and custard, please just put it on a plate It may not be original, but I don't really care I don't need my mind blown by the sodding tableware And should I have a drink with it, as you may well have guessed I have in that regard a not dissimilar request Won't you just give it in a glass Give it in a glass For God's sake Give it in a glass I don't want it in a teacup If it's not a cup of tea I don't want it in a jam jar Cause I'm not a sodding bee I don't want it in a test tube I don't want it in a flask It's a sodding gin and tonic Please just give it in a glass Put it in a plate Give it in a glass Plate glass, plate glass, plate, 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 plate glass Drinks belong in glasses Food goes on a plate It's the breadboards and the beakers That have brought me to this state When I'm in a silver's padded And a jacket that is straight And they Bring me bread and water, please just put it on a plate.
John, can I, can I ask you something? Hi, Laurie, yeah, of course. Um, what's up? How come I never get to sing? <laughs> to sing? Yeah, well, you know, the others will get to sing. Why don't I get to sing? Right. Um, oh, sorry, I, I, I didn't know you could sing. Oh, didn't you? No. Uh, can you sing, Laurie? No. <laughs> right, so well, that's probably the main reason why you... Can you sing, John? <laughs> OK, you make a good point. Because, you, you know, you do get to sing, don't you, or whatever that thing you do is called. <laughs> yeah, um, well, look, okay, if I'm honest with you, Laurie, I, I suppose... OK, this is the thing. When there are songs that need, you know, actual proper singing, then obviously Margaret or Simon or Carrie will do them. And when, now and again, Sue writes a song where you, you can more or less get away with just sort of shouting the words over the music, <laughs> then I'll do it. So, yeah, it's, it's a shame, but that's, that's why you don't get to sing. Well, can't I do something else instead, then? Like what? Pet tips. <laughs> Pet tips. <laughs> yeah, but not for the owners, for the pets. <laughs> you know, like tips on how to get more food in that. <laughs> Laurie, I, I, I don't know if pets listen to Radio 4. But of course they do! I mean, I'm not saying they turn it on specially, but they definitely hear it. Yeah, but... Do you know how much more sensitive dogs' ears are than ours? So they're listening to it, like, probably ten times more per dog. <laughs> OK, look, I'll think about it, OK? Yeah, I'll think about it means no. Not necessarily. I, I will think about it. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Picture of a sad donkey. Oh, dear. Look at him. What a sad donkey. Oh, there's another one. Sad donkey. <laughs> Who wants to look at pictures of sad donkeys? Not you. You want them to go away. Tell you what, maybe give the donkey some money. Maybe money would cheer up the donkey. Or at least give us some money and we'll pass it on to the donkey. Or use it to buy stuff that the donkey likes and give the donkey that. We've got some pictures of happy donkeys too. <laughs> Wanna see one? There you go, happy donkey. Sad donkey. Happy donkey. That's better, isn't it? And easy too, yeah? When there's so much wrong with the world and it's all so complicated and hard to fix, whereas this seems like it might actually be sortable. Yeah? Here's a sad donkey. Let's make it a happy donkey. With money, give us some money. <laughs> Sad donkey. Let's at least get the donkeys sorted out. Mulligan's unspecified donkey-related enterprises. <laughs> a registered charity, possibly. <laughs> Definitely an organisation with access to pictures of sad donkeys. Here's another one. Sad donkey. Sad donkey. Sad bear. Not all donkeys. <laughs> this one's a donkey, though. Sad donkey. Give us some money. Sad donkey. Make it go away. Sad donkey. Feel like you're doing something. Sad donkey. Donate to Mulligans today. It's literally the least you can do. 
Jonathan Moore's souvenir programme does not believe all donkey sanctuaries are scams or that no one should help sad donkeys, but maybe don't just help the donkeys, that's all. <laughs> and now, pet tips with Uncle Laurie. <laughs> Laurie. No. Hello, hello, pet. Here's a tip. Owners won't let you out to pee. Why not try peeing indoors? <laughs> then they will. And even if they don't, doesn't matter anymore. I don't shut up. Guinea pigs, worried your owners are getting bored of you? Why not try doing anything? <laughs> I mean, literally anything. <laughs> Budgies, calm down. It's your own reflection. <laughs> no one's after your poxy cuttlefish. Cuttlefish, are you pets? I don't know. I like your name, though. Go cuttlefish. <laughs> Rats. You're definitely not a pet. You're a rat. Don't go near them. They'll kill you. But thanks for writing in. I, 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 sorry, I just don't think it fits in with the rest of the show. OK, well... <laughs> well, let me do something else, then. Like what? I could do my mime. Your mime? Yeah. On the radio? No, it's OK. It's spoken mime. <laughs> Of course it is. Um, I'll think about it. You said that before. Yeah, I will. I'll think about it. No, you can't sit your exam while your teeth are falling out, even if your leopard is the headmistress. Now go and put some clothes on. Hello. We interrupt your dream to tell you an interesting thing. <laughs> what? Who are you? I'm the recorder. I keep the records. Which records? All the records. Now, here's the interesting thing. Have you ever thought about how everyone who's ever lived must have once been, for a fraction of a second, the youngest person in the world? No. <laughs> well, think about it now. OK. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Yes, and, of course, a tiny handful of people also get to be the oldest person in the world. Yeah. OK. But has it ever occurred to you that everyone who lives past about 30 must go through a time that they'll never know about when they're the most middle-aged person in the world. What? Yep. Think about it. There has to be a moment sometime when there are exactly the same number of people alive who are older than you as there are who are younger than you. I suppose so. Yeah. And you're lucky. Because yours is happening when you're fast asleep. So I'm allowed to tell you about it because you'll never remember. So, ready? No! Here we go. No! Just waiting for one more person to be born, and there! Congratulations. Right now, you and only you are the median global age. Oh, someone else has been born. It's over. Oh, no! No, wait. Very sadly, someone younger than you has died. Congratulations. Right now, you and only you are... Oh, no, someone else has been born. And two people older than you have died. Yeah, I don't think you're going to come back from that. So, let's say that was your go. OK, well, bye. No, wait, wait. Does, does this mean I'm in the middle of my life? Oh, halfway there, Day? No, that's a totally different thing. I'm not allowed to tell you when you had that. Oh, <laughs> Or will have it. No, no, this just means that from now on, and for the rest of your life... You are technically older than most people. Oh. <laughs> I thought you might get a kick out of that. OK, bye. Sweet dreams. <laughs> that sketch was written by a man who was 38 and a half, but he's fine with it. 
Honestly. <laughs> oh, there you are, Will. Oh, hi, Ranjit. Look, Ooh, I've been... Ooh, Ranjit? Yeah, hi, Ranjit. Look, I've been meaning Sorry, to... am I Ranjit? Of course you are, Ranjit. So, as I say, I've been meaning to... I don't think I should be Ranjit. Why not? Well, you know, sorry, Ed, can we stop... Thanks. Um, I don't think I look like a Ranjit. Yeah, it's radio, Simon. Yeah, but still... <laughs> is this OK? I'm not sure this is OK. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's OK. Is it? So, he is Indian, then? Well, that's not relevant. It's a bit relevant, maybe. Maybe, <laughs> no? is he? No, he's... Well, let's say he's British. Mm. I mean, ethnically, I suppose he's probably... Right, yeah, so I... I'm... Are you expecting me to do the accent? God, no, no, God, no. <laughs> anyway, what accent? Just because someone's called Ranjit doesn't mean they necessarily have an accent. I'll do the accent. Yeah, I know you do the accent. <laughs> That's why I kept it well away from you. No. <laughs> Simon, the thing is, this is just a sketch about two friends in a pub. Hmm. One of them happens to be called Ranjit. OK, but why are they called Ranjit if <sighs> it doesn't matter? Well, be- God, because... All right, because I noticed that... Whenever I name a character in a sketch, mm-hmm. I reach for a generic white Anglo-Saxon name, like Paul or Sarah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that doesn't really reflect, you know, who we are as a society. No, but it does sort of reflect, you know, who we are as a cast. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the problem I'm trying to fix, isn't it? We're not exactly diverse. Mm. I'm an eighth Polish. <laughs> oh, great, all the colours of the rainbow. <laughs> White and paler white. (laughs) Right, so, to be clear, your proposed solution to the lack of diversity problem you've identified Mm. is to get a white man to play a guy called Ranjit. (laughs) Yeah, when you put it like that, it's a bad idea, isn't it? Yeah, forget it, forget it. I think that's probably best. Um, So, so what's next, then? Um, I don't know, that sketch... I was going to be the last sketch before the since you asked me. I don't, I don't have anything else to fill the gap. <clears throat> Perhaps I... Uh... <laughs> well, I could be of some assistance. <laughs> oh. Fine. Go on, Laurie. And now, Professor Lorothy Lewin proudly presents, for the first time ever on radio, his celebrated spoken mime. <laughs> Hello, everybody. What a lovely day for a stroll. Though it's a bit windy. Very windy, actually. Oh, dear. That wind's really picking up. I don't seem to be making any progress with my walk at all. Maybe if I put my umbrella up. Whoops! That was a mistake. Anyway, the wind's gone now. But what's this in front of me? It feels like a glass wall. Let me check. Yes, it's definitely glass. And there's one either side of me, too. I wonder how far up it goes. Oh, right, it's a box. What a predicament. I hope it doesn't magically get any smaller. Oh, no, it's magically getting smaller. Anyway, it's gone now. Look, a flower. I shall bend down and pick it. Now I shall smell it. Oh no, a bee, and a bat, and a pterodactyl, and a tank. Anyway, they've gone now, goodbye. Thank you, thank you very much.
So what did you sing, John? Well, it's better than my singing. Yeah. <laughs> well, since you ask me for a murder mystery, but since you also ask me not to bother with all the boring setup, but skip straight to the exciting bit at the end, <laughs> I am minded to warn you to keep a civil tongue in your head, or I might stop telling you my tales altogether. No, no, come back, come back, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, please come back and listen to my stories. I promise I'll be good. <laughs> well then, it was a chill January night when, after pages and pages of tedious detection, the house party finally assembled in the denouement parlour of Bedside Manor. The Duchess, the butler, the inspector and myself. Inspector Pratt stepped forward to give the obviously wrong solution for me to pour scorn on. Oh, I don't know. It's obviously not the butler, because it's never the butler. It's not Lady Bedside, because she's too aristocratic. It's probably, uh, the dog. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that dog lying on the hearth rug, and he killed Lord Bedside as revenge for the time he pretended to throw the ball, but didn't actually throw the ball. <laughs> That'll do. Might I interject? I interjected, paradoxically. The inspector rolled his eyes, but Lady Bedside gravely inclined her head. An ingenious solution, Inspector, but before you clap on those two pairs of handcuffs, may I advance an alternative solution? <laughs> you are correct to say that it's a cliché that the butler did it, but it is my belief that this butler is no butler at all, but an imposter. What makes you think so, Finnamore? Oh, a thousand little things. The way he addresses us all as matey boy or sweet cheeks. <laughs> The way he announces dinner by yelling, get your lovely grub, and then rattling a stick in a tin bucket. The way he doesn't know how to pronounce the word butler. Small details, perhaps, but they all add up to an imposter and very likely a murderer. Oh, well done. Very clever, sweet cheeks. All right, I admit it. I ain't no bootler. And I never have not been no bootler neither. But it wasn't me who stabbed Lord Bedside. Aha, said I. But I never told you Lord Bedside had been stabbed. No, true enough. But then I did find the body. <laughs> In fact, come to think of it, I told you he'd been stabbed. Oh, yes. It's all right, carry on. For what you do not realise, Finnamore is that I am, in fact, an undercover detective. <laughs> Inspector Prout of Scotland Yard, at your service. Lady Bedside very kindly allowed me to pose as a butler while I searched for a notorious jewel thief I believe to be a member of this house party. Wait a minute. You said butler properly that time. Of course. I know how to say butler. It's just my character who didn't. <laughs> you created a character who was a butler but couldn't say butler. <laughs> yes, that was his tragedy. <laughs> But wait, cried I, if you are Inspector Prout, then who is this fellow, who we have known as Inspector Prout? <laughs> well done, Finnamore. I wonder how long it would take you. Yes, I too am an imposter. Then you are the murderer. Oh, no. Guess again. <gasps> the jewel thief. Of course not. Really, Finnamore, you disappoint me. I'd expected better from you than this. I am an undercover duchess. <laughs> Lady Bedside, at your service. What? Yes. When Inspector Prout asked if he could pose as my butler, I agreed only on the condition that I could pose as him. <laughs> Sounded like fun. Wait, if you are Lady Bedside, then who is the lady we have been calling Lady Bedside? All eyes turned to her ladyship. She looked cornered. She glanced from side to side. Then she did something I think slightly surprised us all. 
She split in half at the middle and ran to opposite ends of a room. <laughs> her bottom half leapt out of the window and scampered off across the grounds, whilst her top half hid behind a chaise long and guiltily wagged its tail. <laughs> Just as I suspected, said Prout until recently the butler. Lady Bedside was in fact two dogs in a dress. <laughs> I'm afraid so, said Lady Bedside, formerly known as Prout. You see, I couldn't find anyone to pose as me at such short notice, so I just stuck the Labradors in an old dress of mine and hoped that if anyone wondered about the rather canine cast to my features or the way I gobbled my food or the way I occasionally had a fight with my bottom half... <laughs> They'd be too polite to mention it. The dogs did very well, I thought. Good girl, Maisie, good balancing. But she inclined her head gravely. She thought she saw a biscuit. <laughs> Wait, in that case, who is the murderer? There's no one left. Not quite true. You see, Fillimore, if Lady Bedside is in fact her own dogs, then who is this dog asleep on the hearthrug? At this, the dog slowly got to its feet. First to all four of them, and then just to the two back ones. Well done, Inspector. Yes, it was I that killed Lord Bedside. I knew it! Quite proud. Didn't I say right at the start it was the dog? Well, no, actually, Lady Bedside was being Inspector Prout when he said that. It doesn't matter. The point is, Inspector Prout said it. Don't take this away from me. This is a huge deal. I've literally never been right in my entire career on <laughs> Philomenad, you're under arrest. Looks like someone's been a very bad dog. I'm not actually a dog, you fool. Oh. I am, in fact, an undercover bootler. Which the... <laughs> you see, all my characters are drawn from life. <laughs> Never mind that. Wicksteed, why were you posing as a dog? It was her lady's wish. Once she had permitted the inspector to pose as her bootler, she found herself with one bootler too many. Most people would simply have given me the week off, but not her ladyship. She made me dress up as a dog. And it was at that moment I knew I had to kill her. You didn't kill her. You killed Lord Bedside. Oh, yes. That was an accident. You see, that night Lord Bedside was, for reasons I do not entirely understand, posing as Lady Bedside. <laughs> We needn't go into that too deeply. <laughs> well, that seems to wrap everything up nicely. Except for one thing. If the butler was the inspector, and the inspector was the duchess, and the duchess was two dogs, and the dog was the butler, who was the jewel thief? But by the time they worked it out, I was already half a mile away. <laughs> Finnemore's Souvenir Programme was written and formed by John Finnemore with Margaret Claiborne-Smith, Simon Kane, Laurie Lewin and Carrie Quinlan. Original music was composed by Susanna Pearce and performed by Jason Hazley. The producer was Ed Morrish and it was a BBC radio comedy production. People who enjoyed John Finnemore's Souvenir Programme also enjoyed listening to The Crackling of an Open Fire, The Dawn Chorus and Mozart. Probably even more so, if we're honest.